Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Point. So glad to have you here to worship the Lord with us this morning. Hey, doesn't this look great up here? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can clap. So appreciate everyone who came out yesterday for our Deck the Halls event where we uh, decorate the church and uh, uh, bear the cold outside to hang lights. Drive by at night and you'll see lights uh, up around the church as well. But thank you to everyone who has uh, helped us with that. But uh, hey, if you're visiting for the very first time, haven't had a chance, we'd love to say hello and connect with you if you wouldn't mind just texting the word welcome uh, to that number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Follow the prompts and uh, someone will be in touch with you. Hey, our annual business meeting is today after the 1030 service. It's the highlight of the year. It's the service, the time everyone wants to come. Uh, and talk about the budget, but uh, if you'd like to attend that, you are welcome to do that after the 10.30 service today. And then, of course, our Christmas Eve service, we are super excited about that happening at East Helena High School. If you come here, we won't be here because we'll be at the high school. Uh, Doors open at 2 p.m., service starts at 3. Grab a card, invite a friend, coworker, family member, whatever the case, but we're uh, looking forward to our time there uh, at at, uh, our Christmas Eve service. Hey, big thank you to everyone, just the cards. I don't always have a chance to get around to everyone. Those of you that uh, just wrote a note to myself and our family for uh, 10 years here at at LifePoint, so grateful and so thankful. Your words mean so much to us, and we're just very, very thankful for uh, the encouragement. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that real quick. But if you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter one. We are entering into the Christmas season. Super excited to talk about uh, some of the events of Christmas. But as you're turning to Luke chapter number one, let me ask you a question to think about. If your life were a song, what kind of song would it be? Have you ever thought of that? Like if my life were a song, what kind of song would that be? What kind of theme? What kind of music would that be? I hope and pray mine is not a country music song, right? Those of you that know me well, no offense, I'm just not a country music fan, so I hope and pray that my song is not a country music song, but everyone has some sort of life song. Everyone has some sort of theme, some sort of focus of their life. Like when you meet some people, they're just like happy and bubbly and joyful and that sort of thing. And sometimes people you meet are kind of the opposite, right? Everyone has some sort of life song. So I want you to think about this morning, what is your life song, right? What kind of song would your life tell to the people around you? I want you to think about that as we get started this morning. But we are starting a new a sermon series today for the Christmas season called Heaven and Nature Sing, where we're going to be looking at some of the songs of Christmas. Some of these songs that were sung by people like Mary and Zachariah and the shepherds and others. And so over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to dig into these songs uh, that people sung when they were confronted with the reality of a newborn Savior. When they were confronted with Christmas, they were confronted with the reality that a savior was going to be born, that that all the things that they had hoped for was coming to fruition. We're going to look at their songs, and I think you're going to enjoy uh, listening to the things that they have to say, because their songs, they tell us something about Jesus. They tell us something about what these people believe, what their faith was placed in, and what was the theme of their life. And today we're going to look at the song of Zechariah. Zechariah is actually known as the Benedictus. Did you know that? Zechariah's song was known as the Benedictus. In the Latin, it just simply means blessing, a blessing, singing a song of blessing to the, long, the Lord. Uh, and as you may know or, or not know, Zechariah was a Levitical priest. I'm going to give you kind of a little bit of 
backstory about who Zechariah uh, was in order to kind of get us uh, up to speed, but his job was to serve in the temple, uh, and he and his wife Elizabeth weren't able to have children. Like, I mean, they're probably at this point in Luke chapter number one, 70 to 80 years of age, right? And, and they were never able to have children. They are at this point advanced in years in their entire life. Think about this. The entire life, they weren't able to bear children, right? And this was a weight upon their shoulders, as you can imagine, the, the weight of not being able to have a family and, and, and enjoy the blessing of children. This and really in Jewish culture was kind of a, uh, they was kind of looked down upon it. I mean, it was kind of a curse to not be able to have children, right? And so this couple had gone practically their entire life, not able to have a child. And I believe they probably came to that reality to accept that fact, but, but the, the fact remains they're still human, right? Still human beings, even though they're people of scripture, they still had emotions. They still, I'm sure, long to be parents, long to fit in as it were with the rest of society. And as they watched others enjoy the blessings of children and grandchildren, I'm, I'm sure that weighed heavy upon their shoulders, right? And I'm sure there were moments in their lives where they asked this question that we often ask of God, why? Why me? Why do I have to go through this? God, why us? Why, why are we forced to bear this weight? I'm sure for Zachariah, there were moments in his life where he questioned God and, and reminded God, God, I serve you. I, I serve in the temple. I'm, I've given my life to be a priest in your temple. I mean, God, in, in light of all of that, why do we have to go through this? I'm sure for Elizabeth, right? The weight of not being a mom weighed heavy upon her shoulders and burned in her soul time and time again as she left her home and walked through the city streets and saw other moms playing with their children and playing and laughing and caring for their children. I'm sure for both of these parents, this burden of not being able to have children weighed heavily upon them day after day after day. And as we arrive to the book of Luke, in Luke chapter number one, we find Zechariah, this prophet, this, this priest serving in the temple. And he's there and he's probably away from Elizabeth uh, performing his duty, maybe for an entire month. He's away from her at the temple and his duty this round was actually to burn incense in the temple, to keep that incense going day after day after day. And if you know the story, you know that he's in this temple and he's doing, performing this duty that this angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah. In fact, the angel's name is Gabriel. We'll learn in a little bit. He stands in the very presence of God. And, and Gabriel has this message for Zechariah, right? And he meets him and, and he says, you and Elizabeth are gonna have a son. His name will be John. And he's going to prepare the way for the soon coming Messiah. This will be your son, Zechariah. And of course, that's a little shocking, right? Uh, we not only the fact that Zechariah is old and, and, and kind of beyond that time in life, but, but to meet this angel, and to hear this message, Zachariah is a little taken aback. He's not quite sure. Can I believe this? Is this true? Right? And so he's trying to, to be logical and realistic uh, with this message that, that this angel just brings to him. And, and he says this, how shall I know this? He says, for I'm old. I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Can't blame him for saying that, can you? Right? Uh, how can this be? I think it's kind of funny. I don't know if you find humor in the scriptures, but it's like littered throughout the Bible, right? Zachariah says, I'm old, but my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> smart guy, right? Really, really smart guy, right? 
But Gabriel responds to this doubt in Zachariah's heart and mind, and he says this in verses 19 through 20. Notice it with me. It says, and the angel answered uh, Zachariah, he says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah, because you didn't believe this message that came directly from God. I stand in God's presence and you doubt it. You're gonna be silent for nine months. And so as you kind of fast forward, uh, Zechariah is, is not unable to speak and some believe that he was actually uh, deaf as well. But uh, Elizabeth conceives in the weeks, uh, weeks following and for nine months, Zachariah is unable to speak a word to anyone. All of this news, all of this joy, this wonderful message of praise, this wonderful excitement, he, he, he's unable to speak, not to his wife, not to his friends, not to his extended family, all this news and all these possibilities that, that he and really the entire nation of Israel had been waiting for. The Messiah is here, the Messiah is coming, and I can't talk about it. I'm going to be silent. You see, Zechariah couldn't say a word. He couldn't express his thoughts. He, he couldn't share his joy and his praise with his family and his loved ones and his friends. And some of you wives out there are thinking, my husband's just like Zechariah. <laughs> Except he can talk. He just doesn't, right? Guys, don't be like that, right? Side note there. Talk with your spouse. Say, I'll leave it at that. But this is where Zechariah is. He, he's, he's unable to speak. He's unable to communicate. He's got all this news. He's got all this wonderment. He has this amazing message, not only of the soon and coming Messiah, but I'm gonna be a father. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, wipe away the reproach from our family. And I'm not able to express this to the ones that I love. That's kind of rough. I remember uh, sharing the news of when uh, Christine was pregnant with our, our daughter and then uh, a few years later with our son, Kelton. I'm just like, remember how joyous it was, right? You remember that? Those, those times you were able to share with the people that you love, your parents, your loved ones, uh, and, and to just share the news of having a child, right? And to have those people kind of rally around you and rejoice with you. Uh, uh, what a blessing that was. Zachariah missed all of that. He didn't have that same opportunity. And so nine long months pass. Nine mon months pass. Uh, we don't know, maybe those were the sweetest and quietest months for Elizabeth, right? Maybe God knew, like, he's like, Zachariah just won't stop talking, right? Maybe that was him. And he knew that Elizabeth needed, you know, some quiet time uh, for nine months. But for nine months, uh, he didn't speak a word uh, of, of anything. Uh, but nine months pass. We're obviously fast-tracking through this story a little bit. Nine months go by, and Elizabeth gives birth to this long-awaited son, and suddenly, at this very moment, Zechariah can speak. And what I want to focus on this morning are the very first words out of his mouth. What would this man speak after being silent for nine long months? And I want you to know, like, their entire community was probably thinking that very thing. What is this guy going to say? I mean, all of the emotions and thoughts welling up in his soul for nine months. I think that, that, that what he was about to say came as kind of a shock and a surprise to the community around him. Uh, what he said and what he shared likely was a little unexpected to them because what he shared had nothing to do really about him and about his son. 
that what he was about to share wasn't anything about the reproach and the shame and how hard it was in his life to deal with this issue of not being able to have a child and the weight and the responsibility of walking with his wife through this hardship. Not a word about that. What will this child be? All the mystery and all the drama that's buzzing around the news of this old couple having a child. These are the first words of Zechariah, and I want you to notice them carefully with me this morning. Verses 67 through 68, it says this, and his father Zechariah at the birth of John was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied saying this, this is God's word, prophecy was just simply speaking God's word. He said this, blessed be the God of Israel, for he's visited and redeemed his people. Let's just stop there for just a moment. I want you to understand something really important during this time, like this is Zachariah's song. This is his life song. This is what is welling up in his soul. This is what, what, what he just cannot help but, but sing and praise from the inner thoughts and beings. It was a song of praise. It was a song of worship. It was a song of blessing. It is a song, most importantly, about the gospel, about the coming salvation through Jesus Christ. This is Zachariah's Christmas song. And as we go through the details of this song this morning, I want us to be thinking about this. Would this be my song? Would my song be the song that Zachariah sings? Would my song be, be something that's more about my life and my hardship and all the, the trials that I've gone through in life? Or would it be the kind of song that Zachariah sings? What's your life song? What do people see in you? What do they hear from you? Do they hear about the blessings of Jesus and the joy and the riches that you have through Jesus Christ? Or do they hear about you and your pain and your hardship and all the trials and all the struggles that you go through in life? What is the theme song of your life? What story is it telling? Zachariah's story told a story about Jesus. Sobering, sobering things to think about. Well, let's read this entire Benedictus this morning of Zechariah together, and let's discover a few things, a few thoughts for us to think about when it relates to our life song. What should our song be? This is the song of Zechariah. Notice again in verse 68, and we'll read all the way through to verse 79. It says, blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness in righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, speaking of John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. That's Jesus. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in dark and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Here's a bottom line this morning. What we're gonna focus in on, and that is this, is that our life song should be more about Jesus and less about us, amen? That the song that we sing ought to be more about Christ and his praises and his goodness and his salvation than it ever is anything about us. And I get that you might understand that already. 
Like, I understand that you understand that, but we've got to ask ourselves whether or not it's true. What is really my life song? Right? What do people see in me? We may already know that it should be, but is it really? Like when I walk out of these doors and I go to the supermarket and I have, you know, bad service at the restaurant, like what comes out of me? Is a song of blessing like Zachariah or is it something different, right? Do, do people see what people saw in Zachariah in you and I this morning? You see, Zachariah could have gone off on all the terrible things that his life was about. I mean, Zachariah could have filled our ears with all the woes and all the struggles and all the issues that he had in life and how hard it was for him to be a prophet of God, serving in God's service and, and, and being a, a man of God and, and having this godly wife and, and we can't have kids and it's so hard and it's so difficult and you can't imagine what it's like to walk down the streets and see the whispers. Yeah, there's Zechariah, the couple who cannot have children. You see, he could have filled our ears with so many other things, but he chose to bless the Lord. The very first words out of his mouth, after silence for nine months, he chose to make it more about Jesus instead of his own, his own life and even his own son. And I want you to know this morning he did that because he recognized the worth of what was coming he recognized the value. And I wonder this morning, do we recognize the value of Christ today? It's Christmas, right? We're celebrating the birth of our Savior, right? Do we recognize the value and the worth of Jesus Christ? Because we so often make it about so many other things, do we not? Zacharias, he could have made it about all kinds of other things, but he recognized the worth of what was coming. He recognized something greater than the reproach even that he and Elizabeth were now free of. He recognized that salvation was near. Do we recognize that? And do we recognize the value and importance of that? Is that the song we sing? especially during Christmas, right? Our life song should be more about Jesus and less about us. And let me give you just a few principles. I'm gonna give you two this morning uh, about how we can make that happen. How do we get on track to this place where we begin, like our life song begins to reflect and sing the praises and the blessings of Jesus Christ. You ever meet someone like that before where, man, you meet them and they just can't stop talking about Christ and they realize the grace and the forgiveness that they possess and what Jesus has done and they just can't stop talking about him right? Amazing, right? This was Zachariah. This was Zachariah. So how do we make that our reality? Well, here's the first thing. It's really simple, really basic, but it's right here in the text is this, is that our life song will never be about Jesus until we consistently walk in the spirit. Notice in verse 67, it says this, and his father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. I mean, the only reason that Zachariah could say the things that he said was because of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within him, and we need to understand something important here. The Spirit of God wasn't freely given at that time. Like, this is unique. This is special to have the Holy Spirit abide upon you. People in the Old Testament didn't experience that. They didn't like every day have, a, have an opportunity like, I can walk in the spirit today. No, this was a special and unique thing, right? And Zechariah knew that. But the truth for you and I this morning is if, you have, if you're a Christian, you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, get what you guess what you have? We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you every moment of every day, right? And so we understand that we have the Spirit of God. We don't have to do anything unique for it. We just have to trust in Jesus personally. But the reality for us is this. We still live in the flesh. 
We still battle the flesh day in and day out, right? And so we get to choose. Am I going to serve my flesh or am I going to serve the spirit? Am I going to walk in the spirit or am I going to walk in the flesh? This is Galatians 5. How could we not come back here, right? Somebody like, please never go back to Galatians, right? We can't wander from this truth, church. Paul says, but I say walk by the spirit and what? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We have this choice. Do we not every single day? You want your life song? You were like, look at your life. What song does that, does that your life sing? What, what's your mood? What's your joy level like, right? What comes out of you? Listen, if you're not walking in the spirit consistently daily, choosing to say, I'm putting my flesh aside and I'm choosing today to allow the Holy Spirit to lead my life, you'll never sing this kind of song. This will never be your life song, the song of Zechariah until we begin to understand that we can do nothing apart from the Spirit of God, at least nothing of any spiritual significance. And Zachariah knew this. He understood this. And so if you want your life song to be more about Jesus, less about you, listen, if you truly want people to see Christ in you, we've, we've got to start here. And I know that's basic, and I know that's foundational, and I know you've heard it a thousand times, but the reality is we have to choose daily if we want people to see Christ in us, to walk in his spirit, it's the only way, church. It's the only way. So we've got to start there. Here's the second thing I want us to see, and we'll spend the majority of our time here, is this, is that our life song should focus on this, the richness of the gospel. What kind of lyrics does your song sing? Right? What's the theme of your life? Well, the theme of your song? I think, it ought to, I think it ought to encompass and focus on the richness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blessings of what Jesus has done. How often do you think about, ponder regularly the impact of the gospel upon your life? You know, I, I confess for me personally that I probably don't think about it as much as I should, right? How often do we remind ourselves of the freedom that we possess? Let me tell you this morning, maybe that's news to you. There's freedom from sin through Jesus Christ. That's the best news of Christmas, right? The best news is that salvation was coming through Jesus Christ. Not that he was just born, but that he would go to a cross and pay our ultimate pri- the ultimate price for our sin, so that we could be set free. Best news. How often do we ponder that? How, how often do we consider what we have through Jesus Christ and the gospel? It's the gospel that changes everything, is it not? It's the gospel that changes everything. Without salvation uh, offered to us freely, we'd have nothing. You would have no hope, you would have no peace, you would have no reason for joy, you would have no forgiveness, and we would still be lost, groping in the darkness, had not Jesus rose from the grave for us. This is the gospel. And Zechariah's life song reminds us of the depths of that reality and what a song it is, church. And so let me just kind of walk us through some of the wonderful elements of this song this morning, the richness of the gospel. This is what Zachariah is doing. This is Christmas. This is what's welling up in this man's soul for nine months of being silent. It's not about him. It's not about his struggles. It's not about even the joy of having a child. It is about Jesus. Think about that. This is his life song. And so what is the richness of the gospel that we should focus on and and that we should sing back to ourselves and sing to others? Here it is. Let's walk through it. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel 
For he has visited us and redeemed his people. He's visited and redeemed his people. Let's focus on that just first and foremost, this idea of the gospel that God has visited us. 400 years up to this point, God has been silent, no prophet, no message from God. But now, Zechariah says God has visited us. He has come for us. That he is a God who has not left us alone, but he came for us. Let me tell you this morning, he came for you, and that ought to be good news, amen? Some of you this morning, you think like, oh, God's not for me. He's for other people, but not for me. No, that's not true. That's not what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that he came for us, that he put on human flesh for us, but he didn't just come to be a baby, and aren't you glad for that? He came to redeem he came to redeem, and this is what Zachariah sings in his song. That word redeem is such a wonderful word. It means to buy back. It means to release from, uh, someone from prison by payment. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to release you from the prison of sin and the consequences of sin. You have been redeemed through Jesus. Amen? That's what he came to do. And if that don't make you sing, I don't know what will, Christian. I have people come and tell me, like, I don't like the singing. I don't like to sing. Well, I, you better check your Christian pulse, friend. Because singing is all through the scriptures. That, that we ought to sing the joy and the praises of who God is and what he has done in our lives. But some of us were just like so grumpy, so worried about so many other things. And the song that ought to be welling up in every one of our souls is Jesus, the blessing of the gospel and the riches of what we possess through him. Do people see that through us? And so not only did this song uh, sing about redemption, the idea that God has come, the gospel means that God has visited us, he has redeemed us. But notice in verse 69, as we walk through this a little bit more, and it says, he has raised, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. This is the, the richness of the gospel that God has raised up a horn of salvation. You might say, what does that mean, a horn of salvation? Well, a horn spoke of power. Anytime you see that element in scripture, it means uh, in, in, something of power. It speaks of uh, a conqueror, that Jesus, that what Zechariah wants us to see in the nation of Israel to see that Jesus is a conqueror, that he's a conquering savior, that he's conquered the power of death and sin. And Luke makes kind of an important note here that that horn of salvation has come from where? the house of David. You know what's interesting, what Zechariah is doing for us? What he was really doing for the nation of Israel, I mean, like they would understand it more so than we do, but he's connecting the dots between the Old Testament and the New. He's connecting the dots between the covenants of old with David, with Abraham, and this new covenant that's coming through Jesus Christ. And he's like, don't you see what we've been waiting for and looking for all of this time? And they missed it. They missed it, of course. And he reminds them of that very fact in the next few verses. Notice in verse 70 and 71, it says, and as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Like, don't you guys see what this is about? Don't you see Christmas for what Christmas is? Don't you understand what is happening? He says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. They would read that and would say, yay, finally, we're gonna be free from Roman rule. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about right? But he says, this isn't new. This, this is something the prophets have told us. And, and, and again, what, what Zechariah reminds them of is this, these covenants that God made with Abraham, the covenant he made with David is now being fulfilled through the Messiah. Wonderful, wonderful news. Verse 70, 72 through 75, as we go on, it says, he did this to show the mercy 
promise to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, there it is, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. Zechariah reveals another element of the gospel that's important to know and important to remind ourselves of, and that is this, we've been saved, not just for us, not to serve us, We've been saved not just so that we can have a joy-filled life, and we do. Not to just have peace, and yet we do have those things, but we have been saved to do what? To serve him in holiness and in righteousness all of our days. That's why your life song is not about you, Christian. That's why your life song shouldn't be about your life, but it ought to be about Jesus Christ because we have been saved to serve him in holiness and in righteousness. Boy, do we ever need to be reminded of that truth, amen? But these are the gospel realities. The Zechariah says we must constantly remind ourselves of, here's another element of the gospel uh, that our life should focus on, and that is the forgiveness of sins. And I think this meant more maybe at that time to the nation of Israel than maybe it does to us, that salvation through the coming Messiah was not political again, but it was spiritual. That what you need most nation of Israel, what you need most Jew is not salvation from national oppression, but you need salvation for your sins. And the Jews would look at that and say, we don't need that, we're good. We want a political savior. Zechariah said, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus has come to do, but that was their most pressing need and it still is ours, amen? We need forgiveness of sin. But do we forget that? The longer we, be, we become Christians, the longer we walk with God, we often forget what Jesus did for us, that, that we needed forgiveness, right? That's our greatest need, forgiveness of sin, because the consequence of sin is what? Eternal damnation. That's bad, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Eternal damnation, separation from God for eternity, that's kind of bad news. And so the greatest news, the greatest song is the song of the gospel, And of course, there's nothing we could do to wipe out that sin that only Jesus could, and that's what he did for us. And the reason he did that, Zechariah reminds us in verse 78, and he says this, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, we have salvation today because of only the tender mercy of God. Because he loves us. May we never forget that. And that tender mercy comes in the form of Jesus. Notice how Zechariah says it, the sunrise that shall visit us from on high. Who's that referring to? Jesus. You know, on a cold winter morning, much like the morning we woke up to, and and you wake up and, and, and when the sun begins to rise and it begins to shine upon your face and you feel the warmth of that sun, even though it's cold all around you, the warmth of that sun is like Jesus that he brings to our lives and to our world. Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That was once us. That was once every single one of us sitting in darkness, sitting in the shadow of death. May we never forget that you and I sat in darkness once that we needed someone to reveal the light to us. Jesus came to release us from the darkness that we all once faced. And maybe you're here this morning and you would say, that's me. 
Like, I, that's me right now. I, I'm sitting in darkness. I have no hope. I have no peace in my heart that I'm trying to fill that void in my heart, in my life with something. And, and, I, and I search for it in relationships, and I search for it in alcohol or drugs, and I search for it in, 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 in hobbies, and I search for it, but I don't find it, and I still feel empty. You're sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. And Jesus, the sunrise, has come to shine light upon your life. Jesus, the sunrise, has come to give us life. This is the gospel. And Christian, this morning, this is a song we must sing. This is a song we must sing to ourselves and to the people around us. What's the song of your life today, Christian? What do people see as we, as we come to this Christmas season and we make it all about all these things and they're wonderful things and they're joy-filled things, but do people see, not just on Christmas Eve, the gospel, but do they see in your life the song of Christmas, the song of Zechariah, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What do people see in you? Listen, everyone has a life song. The question is, is your life song today more about you or is it more about Jesus? I'm gonna invite our worship team back up. Would you stand with me this morning as they are coming back? How can we start making our life song more about Jesus and less about us today? I know that you're here and I know that you would say, man, I want that. I really want to have an impact upon the lives of other people. I really want people to see Jesus and less of me. How do we get there? It's really simple. That we would choose to walk in the spirit. And so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do is that you would leave this place and you would pray this prayer in the car on the way home. You say, God, lead me today. Start leading me. Start leading my life. Some of you have wandered so far from that. And, and you've kind of forgotten what it's like to let the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you are like, that sounds so foreign to me, but I want to experience that. God makes that available to every single one of us. He says, walk in my spirit live in my spirit. Let my spirit lead you and guide you. If you're a child of God, you have the spirit of God. And so start saying yes to the spirit. Start letting him lead your life instead of you leading your life. We've got to start here. But secondly, we've got to sing the riches of the gospel to ourselves and to the people around us. What could happen if the song you sang to yourself every single day was the forgiveness, was the hope, was the light, was the blessings of the gospel that we so often forget? What could happen to your perspective as you go into the world and you see people and the, and, the, and the evil and the corruption, but you begin to see it with love and with mercy because you knew and you know I was once there. And what they need most is the song of Christmas, the riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What could happen if your life song was the song of Zechariah? I think we would see people come to faith. I think we would see people uh, have an openness to the gospel and to church and to Christianity because they see the love and mercy that Jesus came to give. May we never forget, this is Christmas church, the gospel. It's not about shepherds and it's not about all of these other things. They're part of the story. It's about salvation. And that is the song that you and I must sing this Christmas. Father God, we're so grateful for the gospel. We're grateful that Jesus came and put on flesh, but we're more grateful 
that he went to a cross and he died and he shed his blood for the remission of sins that we might be set free from the prison of our own sin. We're so grateful for the cross and we're so grateful that you loved us enough through your tender mercy to come to us. Thank you that Zachariah sang this song. Thank you that that this was the song that he sang to give us an example today to not make it about us, but to make it about you. God, help us to live in that reality and to leave here today simply applying by walking in your spirit and rehearsing and reminding and singing the gospel and the riches of that gospel back to ourselves. God, that it may ooze from us, that people might see it, that their lives might be changed through Jesus. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Would you worship one last time with us?